This is KMTT, Ki Mitzion Titzei Torah. Today is Tuesday. This is Ezubek. And we usually, for the last two years, we've been doing Pashat HaShavua. In this slot on Tuesdays, we'll be doing this year is Ramban on Pashat HaShavua. Rather than just discussing the Pasha, one aspect or another. What I will be doing every week is taking a, a different comment or series of comments by the great biblical commentator, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, Rabbeinu Hagadol, as he's called in medieval Spain, and discussing different aspects of the Rabban's commentary on the Torah. And today, Pashat Zechacha, I want to discuss a, uh, two Rambans that are closely connected in the beginning of the Pasha. Abraham Avinu comes to Eretz Kena'an. And it says he wanders about, he goes to Shechem, he goes to Elon Morer, he then continues moving Negba in a southern direction. And finally, there's a famine and he moves to Egypt. The Ramban says on Perek Yudbet, Asuk Vav, Vayavor Avram Ba'aretz Ad Makom Shechem, when Avram first comes to Eretz Israel, so he's moving about, he comes to Shechem. The Ramban in a sort of interjection, he says, I have to stop the, the running commentary to tell you something very, very important. A principle of interpretation. I wish to tell you a principle which, through which you will understand, I, I want to stress the next words, this principle will elucidate all the parashiyot of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. In other words, all of Sefer Bereshit. And what is it? Who in Yan Gadol is clear, Rabbeinu B'derek Tzara, V'yamru, Kol Mashira L'Avot, Siman L'Banim. He says, this principle is, in short, mentioned by Chazal, whatever happened to the Avot is a Siman. I'm not translating that word. It's a sign. But let's use the Hebrew because there's a special word in the Ramban. Siman Labanim. Maseh, we call it, we have a different version of it. Maaseh Avot, Siman Labanim. And then, he does a quick review of the life of, the early life of Avraham Avinu. Uh, the early career of Avraham Avinu in Eretz Kenan. The Ramban claims that without this principle, Sefer Bereshit is unintelligible. This is that's why the Psukim elaborate at length, telling you about their travels, where they go, and how they dig wells, and all kinds of other stories. And, and, and when you read this, you think it's all unnecessary. There's no purpose in this, it appears. And the answer is, Ba'im Lamed Ala Atid. That's why he's going specifically on this Pasuk, which tells you where Abraham went. He went first to Shechem and then to Elon Moran. You say, who cares? Why do I need to know every place that Abraham Avinu steps foot in when he's wandering around Eretz Israel? It makes sense, the Ramban thinks, to tell us some of the great stories about Abraham Avinu, because their example is how to live. And one of the purposes of Sefer Bereshit, the Ramban says this in the very beginning of the commentary on the Torah, is to give us lessons. In, in morality, in religious life, you know, not so much specific mitzvot, but the examples of a living person. So I, you know, the Akedah. It's an important story. 
the war with the four malachim, the five malachim. is an important story. Bit Milah, the covenants, Brit Ben Abtarim. But why do I need to know that he went to Shechem? He walked there. And then he went on someplace else. And then he went on someplace else. And Ben is saying, because Maseh Avot Siman Lebanim. Whatever happens to one of the three fathers, Ramban's examples will all be from Avamavinu now. But he says, Mepharash, anything happened to one of the three fathers, you should know that that will take place to with his children. And that's why Sefer Beshet is telling us it's giving us a map of future Jewish history. A few psukim later, when Avamavinu moves down to uh, to Egypt, So the Ramban says that that's another example of the same thing. Later on, his children will move to Egypt for the same reason, because of a famine. And they'll have trouble with the Egyptians who will take away their wives. Remember, Paro takes away Avam's wife. The Ramban says the Egyptians in the time of our forefathers also stole their wives, which is the meaning of the Pasuk, Pachol Habat Techayun. Interesting Pshat. The Pasuk in Shemot says that Paro made a Gezeirah to kill the sons and to to keep the daughters alive. The man says, what does it mean to keep the daughters alive? It means to keep more alive for you. That the Gzeva was not only to kill the sons, but it was to steal the daughters. And that's parallel to the taking of Sarah by Pao. The man has other examples of the uh, application of this principle. In uh, the Ramban I started to read, he gives a few examples of that. He goes first, goes to Shechem, and... Uh, when the Jews enter Eretz Yisrael in the time of uh, Yahushua. So also, they go to the area of Shechem first, etc., etc., etc. This is a well-known Ramban. Ramban says that, as a principle, he doesn't really elaborate on it so much later on. He's not, throughout Sefer Bashit, Ramban does not continually return and say, this story, but he tells us in the very beginning that, this is a general principle to interpreting all the stories. I stress the all. All the stories of Sefer Bereshit that concern the Avot, Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. But then the Mamban adds another point, which I think is less, less well-known or less publicized. And apparently is connected. Vida. And you should know. Kikol Gezerat Irin. The man says the following principle, that a, a decree of God, a prediction, a desire, a, a, an intention that God has made and disclosed, if it has been actualized if its potential is actualized, I'm translating literally, it moves forward from being only a potential decree to a activity, even though the activity is only a dimayon, it's a a like a a semblance of the actual gzeva. The decree mitkayemet al kol panim. It will definitely take place. That decree 
the content, the future content of that decree becomes immutable. What is he saying? He's saying sometimes God will say, as in this case, I will give you Eretz Yisrael. But that decree, that promise may not be fulfilled because it doesn't say why. But we know why. There are conditions. There are implicit conditions that you should be good, that you should obey God. The conditions are later on made explicit. And Sefer Vayikra and Sefer Dvarim. So God has said, this is what I intend to do, but there's certain conditions which could foil the fulfillment of that promise. But if, Ramban says, the decree, the promise, has been fulfilled in miniature, it's been fulfilled through some activity which only represents it, but it's a real activity. It's a po'el dimyon, it's an activity of, of semblance, of resemblance, then mitkayemet al panim. For instance, we'll give an example to understand it. That is why he says the prophets used to do activities in their prophecies. Gives an example. Yimiyahu has predicted to the Jews that Yushalayim will be destroyed. And he wrote a whole book with all of those prophecies. But then he says to Baruch ben Neriah, his scribe, that you should take that book and, and tie it with a, with a, with a stone, a weight, and throw it into the prat. Throw it into the river and say, so shall Bavel sink. That was one of the prophecies there was the destruction of Babylonia. Destruction of Bavel who will be the ones to destroy the temple, but they will eventually be destroyed. So you write that prophecy and you throw it into the river and you say it's going to sink. What do you need this, this, this play, this little, demonstration for. God's saying, that makes it happen. If God merely said to Bavel, you will be destroyed, something might save them. But now that they've been destroyed, symbolically, the Megillah of Bavel has sunk in the river, they're really going to sink. And then he gives another example, which he, I think the reason why the man is giving it is because, in fact, it proves his point, the way he understands it. The story about Elisha, that the, uh, the king is sick, and Elisha comes to visit him, and Elisha gives him a bow and tells him to shoot arrows. Even helps him actually do it. He holds the bow for him. And uh, he shoots three times. And Eliyahu says to him, why only three? You should have shot five or six. If you had done five or six, you would have wiped out your enemies. The enemy is the, is the nation of Aram, the Iranians. If you, had, if you had shot five times or six times, you would have wiped them out. But now you only shot three times, you're only going to weaken them, but not completely destroy them. I think the man is quoting this as an example. First of all, it's another example. He could have just said to him, God said you will beat your enemies. He said, no, do this, and that will symbolize your destruction, because that would really take place. The Ramadan's proof is from the fact that he says, oh, you only did it three times, it's not going to work. So you see that there's a certain effectivity involved. It's not just an, a, a, a drama. That he wants to tell the king something, and he does it by acting it out, so the king should really be impressed. No, it really works. And therefore, because he didn't do a good job, he only shot three times and not six. In fact, he says the future fulfillment of the destruction of Avam will not be 100%. It 
they will be partially destroyed, but not completely. Therefore, said the Ramban, that is what is now taking place in Sefer Breshit. God is sending Avraham to do things in Eretz Yisrael because those actions will concretize the promise to give the children of Avraham Eretz Yisrael. That is why God planted Avraham in the land. He, he maintained him in the land. He did for him I'm translating the word literally. Semblances, resemblances. He did for him actions which resemble the future. I wish you to understand this point. The man has said here two things. One, he said, Two, he said that these actions of the Avot um, nail down. They they ensure the fulfillment of God's promises. Once he used the word siman, libanim, and then he used the word poel dimeyon, dimeyonot. The Bible continues, as I said before, in giving a short uh, history of different things that Avraham Binu did, and continues even to the leaving of Eretz Yisrael, when he left because of the Ba'ab, he says that also will be a siman libanim. This Ramban, I mean, it's a well-known principle, but the Ramban is projecting something which is very, very, very much, how should I put it, Rambani. There's a particular facet of the Ramban's general philosophy of interpretation and of, and of Jewish history. The Ramban has a conception of multiple worlds. There are multiple levels of interpretation of the Torah, and there are multiple levels of existence. Man, of course, is one of the masters of the Kabbalah. He's even called in Spanish literature, Avi HaKabbalah. And the Ramban's Kabbalah, the Ramban's mystic vision of the world, is based on that the outer reflects the inner. So there is the, the world of God, certain sfirot, certain eminences, and our world is an outer reflection of that. And there is a dual relationship between the two of them. I think what he's describing here about the Avot is the same principle in history. Am Yisrael is an outer reflection or an outer manifestation where the Avot, the patriarchs, was an inner existence reflecting the same thing. In other words, it's not just it's not just a rhetorical device or a literary device. The Raman really believes that the, there, are, there are small worlds and larger worlds, inner worlds and outer worlds. And his principle is that Av, Father, means like first principle. And Avamavinu is the Jewish people, Bizerampin in a small a small model. But the model isn't just to help you think about it. The model really creates it. That's why he brought this example of the the arrows of Elia of, of Elisha. If Avinu turns left 
the Jewish people really turn left. And when he turns right and he goes to Shechem, that produces a a hitashfut of Jews in Shechem. Or in Elon Mamre, or in Elon Mamre, or in any other place. And that's why he adds this point about how the action is productive. It, it ensures the fulfillment of a promise. God told Avraham Avinu that the Jews would inherit Eretz Israel. But if Avraham Avinu begins to inherit Eretz Israel, then the Jews' inheritance is much more real. Because it's not merely Bikoach, it's not merely a potential promise, but it's a very fulfillment. And once it's fulfilled in Avraham Avinu, then it has to be fulfilled in his in his children. That's this idea of Poel Dimion. That because things in our lives are, are spherical, things in our lives are cyclical, things that happen in our lives are reflections of things that happened in inner worlds or in our forefathers' lives. And one reflects the other. So it's very important and very meaningful that you do something. Because if you do it, you're not only doing it for yourself, even if you do it only a little bit. As Avinu didn't really inherit Eretzel, he just got a little bit of a toehold there. But by doing so, he has planted the real seed, which will be reflected in the next, the next uh, round. The next round will be Jewish national history. And this, I think, explains a very famous Ramban, a few psukim later, when Avraham Avinu goes down to Mitzrayim. As Ramban said, Ramban said that God is sending Avraham Avinu to Eretz Israel and giving him things to do there in order, because God is interested in ensuring and solidifying in crystallizing this promise. So all the things where, where God told Avraham Avinu to do something, including the very coming to Eretz Yisrael, that is because God is planning to give Eretz Yisrael to the Jews, and He wants them. He wants this mitzvah to be this 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 reality to begin already. But why did Avraham Avinu go to Mitzrayim? We do not find that he was told to go to Mitzrayim. And the Ramban claims that he went on his own. Avraham went because he was hungry. And he points out quickly that this had a reflection in later Jewish history. What happened? He went down because of a, because of a famine, because of a uh, crop failure. The Egyptians, Ashkuoto, they tormented him by taking his wife. God avenged Avraham Avinu by afflicting the Mitzvim or Paro with great afflictions, Nigaim Gdolim. And in the end, he left Egypt with a great deal of possessions, with money that he received. Sheep, silver and gold. And in fact, Paro sent people to accompany him when he left. Says Ramban, this is all going to take place later on as well. This is a hint, Ramaz, 
that his children also will go down to Egypt because of a fast, and the Egyptians will afflict them, and will, in fact, take their daughters, and then God will avenge by having great afflictions, great makot, uh, uh, plagues against Egypt until they will leave with silver, gold, and flax, and in fact, uh, he will send them out of the land. Everything that took place of the father takes place of the children. And then the Ramban adds, Veda. No. Ki Avraham Avinu Chata Chet Gadol Bishkaga. Destroyed any of Egypt constitutes a sin. Bishkaga. Right? An unintentional sin. But nonetheless, a sin. Chet Gadol. A great sin on the part of Avraham Avinu. First of all, what he did with Sarah, presenting her as his sister, he he basically endangered her. Endangered her also spiritually. Not so much physically. Her life was not in danger, but she was taken to the harem of her. He should not have done that. Ramban says, and this is a typical point in the Ramban's understanding of Bitochon, he should have trusted in God who would save him and his wife and everything that he owned because God has the power to save. He should have trusted in God and not taking this rather scandalous method of saving himself. But then Rabban adds, it's the very leaving of Eretz Yisrael which Pasha began with. It was a sin according to Rabban. Because he had been commanded to come to this land. And he left it because of the fast. Avon Asher Hata. This was a sin that he committed. Because God could save him from death even in a fast. And for this act, his children suffered exile in Egypt. The whole story of the subjugation in Egypt, the slave in Egypt, was because of this act of his. In other words, here Avraham Avinu did a sin and we were punished for it. Makes no sense. Lo yum tu avot Children are punished for the sins of their fathers. But, says the Lamba, we're not talking about a private individual here. The actions of Avraham Avinu are maseh avot siman lebanim. Hence, if Avamavinu, not by God's direction, but under his own choice, chooses to go to Mitzrayim, incorrectly, says the Ramban, it was a mistake, it was a chet bishkaga, it was unintentional, but it was the wrong thing to do. He should have had more faith in God. He's setting a pattern for the Jewish people. Specifically, in the same topic. What's the topic of Masal Simanin? The getting the land. But Avraham Avinu abandoned the land for a little while. By doing so, just as his walking in the land strengthens the fulfillment of the promise, his leaving the land weakens that fulfillment. And therefore the Jews later on, his children, his great-grandchildren, would also be detached from the land. And just Avraham Avinu, by so doing, uh, was tormented, set himself up to affliction in the house of Paro. 
so too his children who are the same thing. They're the next layer of multi-layered existence are going to be subject to the same pattern. This explains why the Ramban in fact insisted on criticizing Amalavinu for committing a sin. This Ramban is well known. It's usually discussed as part of the great question, an important question as to how critical or whether it's in fact acceptable to be critical of the Avot. There is a certain attitude among certain Mephashim and many people that you're supposed to learn Beshit and view the Avot as pure Sadiqim and therefore everything they did is wonderful. And whatever they write, anything that it's written in the Torah about what the Avot did, you can take that as a recommendation. And the Ramban is famous for his rejection of that opinion. Ramban says, do not learn from Ramavino that you should leave Eretzisol and go to Mitzvah every time there's a Av, because it was wrong, it was a sin. And similarly, perhaps even more uh, more critically, the, the, the using his wife, forfeiting his wife's protection to save his life was a Chet Gadol, a great sin of Avinu. And so everyone always, you know, they discuss this as to whether or not what's the right way to describe the Avot. Should we be practical? Are they human beings with flaws as well as great things? We should learn from that. And maybe that's even a better lesson. Or should we view them as being almost like angels? Which is all true. But I think you have to understand this Ramban in context. Ramban has a particular reason for criticizing Avinu here now. Because the according to his principle of Ma'aseh Avot Siman Lebanim, then the departure of Amavinu to Egypt is the Siman for our Galut in Mitzrayim, for the children's exile into Egypt. And since it's clearly a time of great suffering, it has to be understood, according to Ramban, in the context of sin. As a parenthetical remark, I wish to point out that the Ramban in his, philosoph- in his philosophy maintains with great deal of, of, of determination and insistence that all suffering is due to sin. Ain Yisurim below Avon, writes the Ramban at length in his famous Sefer Torah Adam in the Shah Hagmul. The chapter in Torah Adam, which deals with, uh, uh, with with reward and punishment. So the Ramban automatically, because of Masavot Siman Lemanim, saw Avram's sojourn in Egypt as being parallel to our sojourn in Egypt, and therefore he has to interpret it as being negative. If Avram Aminu did the good thing, it was the right thing to do. Then maybe that would be parallel to some trips that the Jews would take the chutzahs during Ra'av, but he doesn't have a case like that. But it wouldn't involve all this suffering. And since Avam's trip to Egypt is the cause, is the, the metaphysical cause, according to this principle, of inner and outer, since it's the metaphysical cause of the great suffering of the Jews, the tremendous suffering and affliction of the Jews in Egypt, the Nehman has to view it negatively. And therefore, he not only claims that Avraham Avinu sinned with Sarah, but the very leaving, the very going to Egypt is, in Ramban's opinion, a, a sin. Again, Ramban says, Bishkaga. He doesn't think Avraham Avinu was an evil person. He doesn't think he was a Katan He had great bitachan. 
this perhaps was a great Nisayon. And if he calls it Bishkaga, he made a mistake. But even mistakes have consequences. Since we're not dealing with the Jews are being punished for Avram's sins, even Avram wasn't punished for the sin, particularly. I mean, in the end it all worked out for the best. But it's a metaphysical principle. Therefore, we're not being punished, but we are simply living his sin. We're living his trip into Egypt. Therefore, we also live the afflictions on a much greater level, because it's the next, it's the next level of the days that Sarah spent in Paro's house and the suffering that Avraham Avinu uh, had to undergo while he was, while he was there. I think, I want to add, I think this principle of the Ramban, that our lives reflect Avraham Avinu's life, should also be understood in reverse. It's not just a, a means of prediction. It's a means of prediction, so the events that Ramban is interested in have taken place. I mean, he, there might be other levels of interpretation, but what Ramban says explicitly is that the life of Avraham Avinu is reflected in the life of B'nai Yaakov. So it's still ancient history for us. But the principle of the Ramban, that Avraham Avinu is the Jewish people, has significance not so much because it'll give us certain hints as to what's going to happen tomorrow, but because the reverse is also true. If Avraham Avinu is the precursor of the Jewish people, then we are the fulfillment of Avraham Avinu. And I think what the Ramban wants us to understand is that we are Avraham Avinu on the next level, in the next sphere, in the next round. But you should see yourself not as being a distant descendant of Avraham Avinu, but as being an expression of his life and of Yitzchak's life and of Yaakov's life. You are Avraham, Yitzchak and Yaakov as the, as the tree is the expression of the seed. As this world is the expression of the inner life of God. You should see yourself as being a manifestation, an expression, a, 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 the technical Kabbalistic word is Gilgal, I don't want to use that. You should see yourself as being the next way that Avraham Avinu's life is being played out. And I think that changes our understanding of our lives. We are Avraham, a man discovering God, sent on a great journey. We're not just doing this because we're descendants. We're, we're on a journey to find Eretz Israel, to build Eretz Israel, to find God. We're Yitzchak, alone in the, in the O.L. We're Yaakov Avinu, who's building a house, creating, creating a new community. We, we are all those things because history plays itself out over and over and over and over again. The inner is reflected in the outer and the outer and the next outer and the next outer and the next outer. And that's what Sefer B'Shit is all about. Maseh Avot, these lives, Siman Lebanim, the technical will be certain events that take place 3,000 years ago on the border between Canaan and Eretz Israel. But I think the principle is much more than that. You're also Banim. We're also Banim. It's not just Siman the Banim. I explained what the word Siman means. Siman doesn't mean, ah, a hint. Siman means it's the, the root cause. It's the seed to the tree. The seed is a Siman of a tree. Dimionot. It's resemblances. Scale models. Avraham Avinu is a scale model for the life of the Jews. And I think the Ramban is calling upon us to reflect on that fact in each and every life. That's it for today. Thank you. We'll be back next week in Pashat Ve'eva. More Ramban on the Pasha. 
You've been listening to KMTT. Kimitzion Tetzay Torah Udvar Hashem Mirushalayim Koltuf.